Our first message today is from Mr. Reg Noland. It is entitled, The Roots of Sin. Reg. Anyone here still suffering the after effects of the change from daylight savings time? No, I am. After Ron's comment last week, I thought about changing my title this week to the pagan origins of daylight savings time and since satanic influence. But no, we'll go ahead with this as is. It is no accident that we human beings are here on this planet, this pale blue dot called Earth, as a lone spot in the universe, where, or multiverse I should say now, where life is known to exist. There's no chance correlation of the primordial soup of chemicals on the, on the prehistoric earth. No steady, gradual evolution of simpler organisms into complexity as human being. Rather, we are here by design, placed here by our creator, nurtured to, to maturity as his children, to trial, test, lessons, and encouragement. I've noticed that during the past several months, many of our speakers have referenced Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmaments. Okay. Brian, he's not working. That would be helpful. Okay. There we go. Thank you. All right, um, there we go. All right, this is the glory to declare, and the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. That's Psalms 19.1. In the last several months, many of our speakers have referenced the same passage. Do you realize that? There's something behind that, I believe. Another one that echoes the same idea is Psalm 8, uh, uh, verses 3 through 6. Here we go. Psalm 8. There's another. These are pictures, by the way, of the Hubble, uh, from the Hubble telescope and the nebula. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? What are mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou you visit him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and with honor has made him to have dominion over the work of thy hands, has put all things under his feet. The reason for that, of course, is one day we are going to inherit this universe as the children of God, as spirit beings ourselves. And truly, <clears throat> here's one more. This is one of the spiral arms of the, of the uh, Milky Way galaxy. A little lower than the angels. Crowning him with glory. Truly, the heavens are a great testimony to the grandeur of God. But we need not look so far away to see the evidence of God. When we look at creation, we see a great variety of life, unified by common threads, the hallmark of its designer. Now, the atheistic scientists, they want to point, out, point, out, point to the fact that we differ by ch from chimps by only 4% of the DNA. Our DNA differs from chance by only 4%. <clears throat> as they use this as evidence that we evolved from the lower animals. 
and dismiss much of the 96% of the DNA that we share as junk DNA, quote-unquote. But even as preschoolers know, God don't make junk. God don't make junk. That junk DNA isn't junk at all, but it includes common instructions to the cells that tell them how to divide, when to die, how to make proteins, and many other instructions all needed to life. So really, it's not junk DNA at all, but it is an efficient use of limited genetic material. Here's some interesting comparisons of how much DNA we share with other parts of the, of the creation. With the cat, 90%. Meow! Explains a lot, doesn't it? Okay. A cow. Anyone know anyone stubborn as a bull? How about a mouse? Squeaky, timid little mouse. A fruit fly. Well, that answers California, doesn't it? Uh, bananas. No comment. Um, did you hear that, though? We share 50% of our DNA with a plant. With a plant. And tomatoes have even more genes than do human beings, which is interesting because they've gone through so many different uh, developments and hybrids and things of that nature. So there's more genes in a tomato than there are in a human being, which is really interesting. So my, my question is, are we all pod people? Is that what it amounts to? No. Since all life shares so much in common, it is no stretch of the imagination that God put this variety of life here so that we could meditate upon it and to come to a greater understanding of ourselves and our relationship to God. Our world then becomes a schoolmaster. Like the law becomes a schoolmaster, the world becomes a schoolmaster for us. To teach us about ourselves and our relationship to God. In particular, I grew curious about the root structures of plants and how those plants are, those structures are like the ideas that permeate our lives. So here's my object, object of meditation. This is roots that have grown up in a valley. <clears throat> um, roots keep a plant grounded and stable while feeding it the nutrients and water that it needs to grow. Our spiritual lives are a lot like a root system. Parental tap roots are love and faith, and then they are supported by prayer, Bible study, meditation, fasting and feasting, uh, personal worship and praise, fellowship, all of these things are like things that contribute. They are little roots that contribute to the taproot of love and faith that feeds the tree of our spiritual life. These things keep us grounded, help us to grow. But here's the thing. I soon recognize that sin has a similar structure. Sin has a similar structure. So today, as we approach Passover and this time for introspection, I want to share with you a meditation I had upon sin and its roots. Now approaching the end of my year of life, I think that I have studied long enough to uh, have, a, quite appropriately, at least a BS degree in the subject. Imagine sin. Imagine sin as a great tree planted in the fertile soil of our lives that spreads and grows to produce a bitter fruit. Soil, of course, becomes fertile when it is enriched with manure, some soil being more replete with feces than others. Most plants have one or two types of root system, either a taproot system or a fibrous root system. 
That's what they looked like. Interestingly, sin has some of the characteristics of both. Like the fibrous root system, sin grows within us, making tiny little branching inroads into all the various aspects of our life, so that eventually it permeates all of our being. However, like the taproot system, the tree of sin has a great taproot of self that branches into two principal roots of multiple lesser roots that all feed to the taproot of self. It's hard to be sinning if you're doing things for someone else, but it's easy to do it if you're focused on yourself. What do we know? Well, let's find out. Here's where we're starting from. What do we know? We know the definition of sin. 1 John 3, um, 4, part B says, For sin is the transgression of the law. So, what does that mean? Where there is no transgression of the law, there is no sin. But if there is sin, then there must, the law must be there. It must be present. It must be known. Hence, since Adam sinned, then the law had to exist in the Garden of Eden. That makes sense, doesn't it? Otherwise, he couldn't have sinned if the law wasn't there. M Moses merely formally codified it at, at Sinai, codifying what had already existed. Therefore, animals cannot sin, even though their behavior may be vi very violent. It, it, in fact, the entire universe obeys the laws of God except for humanity. So here we are, the one place in the universe where we can find sin. The one place in the universe where we can find sin. Okay? What else do we know? Well, we know that all are guilty of sin, except Jesus. Romans 3, 5.23 tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 1 John 1 8 through 10 say, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, then we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, we're all guilty of it. Why not admit it? Now, well, another thing we know is that Satan <coughs> is the source of our sin. Uh, John 8, 44 tells us, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own accord, for he is a liar and the father of it. Revelation 12, 9 Shows us that, it, the, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil. And Satan, which deceives the whole world, he was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So he is indeed the source of our, of our uh, sin. But, just because he's the source of it, doesn't mean that we can blame everything on the devil. We are co-conspirators, if you will, in our own destruction. So it is a mistake to say, the devil made me do it. If we do that, we basically run the risk of degenerating in, into an old Flip Wilson car routine, don't we? Okay. Indeed, we have to own part of the responsibility for our own sins. So, let us examine the role of sinning in, in, apart from Satan's influence. Most of our sinning on our own car is due to our carnal nature. 
And we know from Romans 8, uh, 6 through 8, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal minded is enmity against God, it is not subject to the laws of God, neither can it be. I missed a slide. No. Just those verses. Hence, our sin comes from an effort to enhance the self. That which considers that which which I consider to be the principal taproot of the, of the tree of sin. The taproot splits into two major branches: the root of ego, and the root of desire. The root of desire consists of the cravings of the flesh. It can be expressed very simply as "I want," "I desire." Okay. It includes things like gluttony, adultery, fornication, sexual lust, coveting, envy. Greed, avarice, after all, the root of all, all, the love of money is the root of all evil. Laziness, slothfulness, and that sounds kind of strange to be as a sin, but that's wanting not to work. And we've got a lot of those people around as well. Addictions to alcohol, drugs, gambling, sex, adrenaline, adrenaline thrill seekers, and that sort of thing. Even computer games can be an addiction. They are all sins of the heart. And as Jeremiah 17.9 tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? These are sins of the flesh though. These are sins of the flesh. They may be biochemical in or origin. There's something in the chemistry of the body that makes us crave this. So while we may have to deal with them as long as we have a fleshly body, they should disappear when we get our spiritual bodies, right? Okay. The second kind root of sin, though, the root of ego. This one I would consider to be considerably more serious because it consists of sins of the mind and the spirit. It can be expressed as, I will. Not I want, but I will. Interestingly, that is the very same statement that Satan made when he tried to rise to power uh, above God, as reported in Isaiah 14. He made that same statement. I will ascend above the heaven. I will be like the most high. Seven times he said this. I will, I will, I will. It is a, a sin of the spirit, a sin of the mind. These are sins of pride and defiance and include things like hubris, which is excessive pride, vanity, defiance, rebellion, stubbornness, strife, anger, wrath, hatred, murder, idolatry, deceitfulness, scheming, lying and bearing false witness, things like that. Obviously, I'm giving you more than 10 items here for the, for the Ten Commandments, but these are just variations off of the same ideas expressed in the Ten Commandments. Since these are sins of the mind, getting rid of our fleshly bodies is not going to get rid of this kind of sin. Rather, it will require a change in spirit, a much more difficult cure than simply spraying around a little bit of spiritual roundup. Final observation. So let's put it all together. So here are the two big, uh, this is the, an image, if you will, of the roots of sin. It consists of, here, the, the, the principal tap root that goes right down the middle is self, serving the self all the way down the line. And that branches off into two big old tap roots. They are the root of desire and the root of the ego. Desire includes things that are dependent upon the body, 
coveting, greed, avarice, envy, uh, all of those. The roots of the ego, pride, vanity, anger, wrath, hatred, strife, defiance. Those are the ones that are deeper kinds of sins, if you will. All sin, of course, is sin. You break one, you break them all. But at the same time, there's a seriousness to the sins of the mind that really are considerably more severe, I think, than the ones of the body. Final observation, like most root systems, many of our sins are not in plain sight. Notice that they're below ground. Most of the roots are below ground. They are hidden from view. They are secret sins, buried deep in a lot of fertile soil. James 5 tell, urges us, confess your faults. James urges us to confess our faults one to another and to pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But consider the context. Consider the context in which this statement is made. Here, the word false is not sin. The word false are weaknesses, infirmities, illnesses, afflictions, things that can be healed with prayer. It's not telling us to confess our sins one to another. These, these faults are illnesses, not sins. 1 John 1, 9 assures us that, we read this earlier, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But, when we confess, we confess only to God. It's nobody else's business. It's nobody else's business. Acknowledging one's sin is very therapeutic. For it allows us to get out into the open what we're having trouble with so we can fix it. But such confession is not for public spectacle. Rather, the confession of one's sin is a private matter. It should be reserved for the prayer closet, shared only between the sinner and God. Whom are we, from whom are we hiding sins anyway? Think about it. God already knows it. Confession is for us, not for God. God doesn't need to hear our confession. He already knows what our sins are. Confession is for us. It's a tool to help us realize our own shortcomings so that we can deal with it, so that we can grow from it, so we can correct it. Let's face it, God already knows about our sins. So we're not telling him anything new when we, when we confess. Rather, our confession forces us to examine our lives and to bring, awareness, bring to awareness those things that we are doing contrary to his will. Confession is for us, not for God. Real sins, the real hidden sins, are those that we may be committing that we're not aware of. A more obvious sin can often distract us from another sin that lies deep, more deeply rooted in, in our subconscious. For example, we might pray to overcome cursing. We might pray to overcome cursing. But that would be hiding. We were so distracted by the cursing that we're hiding the actual deeper sin that is the hatred that underlies it. We might be 
praying to overcome lustful thoughts and be oblivious to the idea that it's adultery, or it's, it's, uh, as well as idolatry at a lower level, at a deeper level. Confession is a private lesson in which God is trying to get us to raise to conscious awareness those sins, those sins which we are oblivious to right now. We are not Catholic. We are not Catholic. That information should not be shared with anyone. For in an age of internet scandals and tabloid journalism, such, no such disclosure is safe with anyone. And revealing our private thoughts would not be very wise at all. Okay. We have a loving God. Very loving God. Though the roots of sin run deep in all of us, remember that God has placed us here by design with all the wonders of nature around us so we might better learn how to be his children. He is the master teacher, and I can appreciate that more than many. He is a master teacher who has set before us lessons in the simplest of things so that we might mature into the God being who will one day inherit the universe. But he's not a hard teacher. He's much more gentle than I am, in fact. Uh, but one who has understanding and sympathetic to our frame. He knows our weaknesses and he has promised never to set before us more than we can ever bear. 1 Corinthians 10.13 There is no temptation that has overtaken you, but is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I want to leave you with a very positive thing about how gracious our God is. don't have the our, our, the Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger plenteous in mercy he will not always chide neither will he keep his anger forever he hath not dealt with us after our sins and rewarded us according to our iniquities and be glad I'm glad God is not a just God but it's a merciful one instead if he were just I've been dead a long time ago it's the mercy of God that we can appeal to. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that, that fear him. As far as the east is in the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like a father, he pities his children. So the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man... His days are as grass, as a flower in the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness to his children, to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments and do them. So, as we come now to our Passover season, and we go through the time of introspection, of searching out ourselves, searching out the leaven in our house, knowing that it is the, the sin in our, a representative of the sin in our lives for this part of the ceremony. Think also of how it, like it's, how it is like a great tree whose roots reach deep into every aspect of every corner of our being. And they all service the self. 
Let's get rid of that stuff. Time to chop this tree down, don't you think? 